0: and the world of your dreams. My guest on today's episode of Mike's Search for Meaning is Jen Cody. You can connect with Jen on her Reboot page. Reboot is an executive coaching organization. It is, in my humble opinion, one of the best, if not the very best, in the game with executive coaching and the inner work that's required of leaders. You can also connect with her on her LinkedIn page, which is her name, Jen Cody, and She has generously offered her email, which is Jen at Reboot.io. Additionally, I always donate to and raise awareness for the organization of my guest choice, and Jen has selected Sonoma County Humane Society. Jen's cat, Bella, was rescued from Sonoma County Humane Society, and Bella is one of the featured stars of this conversation. At the very end of this conversation, you will hear some really powerful lessons that her cat that Jen's cat Bella has taught her. And so this organization is personally meaningful to Jen. After you hear the story of Bella, you're going to want to support this organization as well. And you can support by following the link in the show notes. And the places you can connect with Jen are linked in the show notes as well. Now, of course, I'm very biased. But I love every single one of my podcast conversations, I feel really proud of each and every episode that I put out into the world. And this conversation is perhaps the most expansive one that I've had in recent memory. Jen and I were just vibing for the entire two hours that we had together. There's so much insight and wisdom in this conversation. And so I'll do my best to distill it down to a a minute or two here. The very beginning of this conversation in real time has Jen and I working through how we show up when we're nervous or afraid. And I think this is really applicable to everyone who's tuned in to this episode right now. We all feel called to do certain things in our lives that bring out fear. That's what pushes us out of our comfort zone. And it's such an important skill to be able to work through that. So Jen models leadership by stepping into how she works through that in her own life, in real time, in this conversation. We talk about some of her spiritual mentors and guides and what constitutes a strong guide and how with the right mentor, the right coach, the right people in your life, your brightness can be illuminated in ways that you didn't even know were possibly there. And there's so many powerful stories that Jen shares that highlight this. And in so many words, we discuss self-discovery. How do we find out who the F we really are? underneath it all, underneath all the conditioning, the stories that we tell about ourselves. Who are we really? And when we show up as that person, what is possible in our life? That's the game that I like to be playing, and that's the game that Jen is playing as well. From here, I invite you to just buckle in and get ready to soak in two hours of pure bliss, joy, and expansion with me and Jen. Take a deep breath. Um and enjoy this conversation with Jen Cody. Hi, Jen. It is such a pleasure to have you as a guest on my show. Welcome to Mike's Search for Meaning.
1: Thank you, Mike. It's really it's really good to be here. I'm really excited about our time today.
0: Well, thank you for making it such a focal point of your day. And we were saying before we hit record here, we had such a nice check-in. This was yeah. 30, 30 minutes of really being here with each other and yeah. i would love to give the audience a taste of your presence and and your own awareness your self-reflection ability and we were both talking about how once that record button's hit or once we're you know in front of some some way that we feel uncomfortable or might be seen in a way we we historically haven't wanted to be seen that it's hard and i would love to hear you walk through the nerves and, and the energy that you're bringing into this conversation. And I'll do the same thing. I think it's a really interesting way to hitch a ride. If you're listening to this show, it's a way to hitch a ride into processes of being able to hold different tensions inside of you. And you, you're wow. so articulate about it. So I would love to hear what you're bringing into this conversation right now, energetically.
1: Yeah. Thank you. And <clears throat> there's something you know, we sh- I shared this in the check, and there's something in this for me to really share this experience. That I that I know that will help me just be able to speak in a way. And so earlier this week, I had really thought about this this podcast. I've been very intentional about what I want to share. What is the meaning of this? You know, what might I have to offer? And so I've been feeling really good and really solid and grounded this whole week, thinking about the, this day and this upcoming. And this morning I woke up with a lot of anxiety around this podcast. And so I sat up in bed, actually, I actually set my alarm a little bit earlier thinking like I want to give myself some time this morning so I can show up in a way that is, you know, I want to say more grounded and present, but I just want to say real, actually I can show up real to this podcast. And what was showing up with for me this morning was uh, the anxiety was a feeling of feeling frozen. And when I sat there, I thought, wow, I could allow this anxiety to run this session and really have power over me, or I could be present to it right now and see what emerges. And a a lot of my childhood I've experienced judgment and criticism and there's something about that recording button that when it gets turned on, I freeze. And I don't, I don't know if I've ever articulated it this way in any other conversation. It's been a part of my life. And what I usually experience is I just go small. I back down. I might stomach the frozenness. And I just push through with willpower in the situation, But this podcast with you is is more than a five minutes. It's more than a 20 minute little snippet. This is a conversation of dialogue that we'll be having for a longer period of time. And I thought to myself, okay, this is not just about pushing through, but this is actually about how can I welcome in the frozenness, hold the frozenness, hold the anxiety, hold the fears that are coming up that are really not totally about this podcast, but that are surfacing from the past, you know, and be with it in a way. And this is what I did this morning. And I actually spoke some things to myself. I was like, wow, I am feeling really frozen. And if I can speak through this podcast and speak through some of that trauma from the past, that is super powerful. And what I was also sharing in the check-in, which we were dialoguing with a little bit too, is this place of holding both because I also woke up and I also felt the groundedness from earlier this week. And I felt this place inside me that was like, wow, I got this. Like I have myself and I have this anxiety and this frozenness and this kind of fear slash maybe even terror coming up about this entire experience today. Am I going to say the right thing? Are the words going to come out Am I, am I able to, am I going to be in my flow as we're talking, right? Or am I going to be frozen and stressed and looking to pull words from someplace because my brain is not totally online? So how can I stay online? And that staying online is this balance of holding both experiences or both energies, however we want to talk about it and being with what's coming up and not pushing it down. And so that's what I did this morning. And actually, that's what I'm still doing Mm -hmm. as we're having this conversation right now. And there's also the last thing I'll just say so that we can dialogue more about this is that I'm also breathing. I'm noticing actually that right now. I didn't check in about that, but I'm breathing through this right now where I think in most situations, I mean, we can't totally hold our breath because obviously, you know, our breath is automatic, but I would clinch. My throat clenched my breath and my chest and so um, there's a place there's a ground a place that i feel that i'm actually breathing through this as well yeah
0: yeah so i think if you're listening to this whether you're conscious of it or not there's a level of a, i i like to call it a permission slip that mm. this level of check-in that you're giving it establishes there's something about the energy of the realness and that's a word that you use you wanted to bring realness into this conversation what's a realer way to show up than to just say this is my experience of how I really am right now and yeah. i love that permission slip for my audience but most maybe not most importantly but i'm thinking selfishly here this is a permission slip for me too i get i've done this might actually be I don't know if I'll release it in this order, but this might be the hundredth episode that I recorded. So I have some triple digit now episodes here. I've wow. been a guest on a couple. And as recently as yesterday, I was a guest on a podcast. And that tension lives within me in a big way. The mm-hmm. tension of I'm grounded, I'm centered. I'll say my words now. I, I feel in my power. I have something to offer that's worth being listened to. And the shrinking in me, the frozenness in me. And my default, my whole life has been to be avoidant, to kind of default to the frozenness in me. The one in me who's like, I don't want people to judge me. I don't want people to see me. It's dangerous for people to see me. And it's one of the reasons I chose accounting as my initial yield. I, I thought this is a good place for me to hide out. And I think it was probably more unconscious than that, with a a level of self-reflection that I've done working in a job like that, where I'm behind a screen for most of the day and I don't have to talk to clients, it's a good way for me to hide out and still kind of live the external life that I want to live. And over time, there have been different ways where the cracks in me started to get exposed. And and like you, I would use willpower to push past it. Like I would, I'd memorize anything I needed to say if I was leading a meeting that like, there's so many different ways that armor might show up in, in that way. But I think I've been so fortunate, I really backed into a lot of things that have helped me feel safer in my body. And one of them has been public speaking courses, which is why mm. that's one of the ways that I make an impact in the world now is with my own public speaking coaching because I know the feeling of being tasked with speaking in front of even a small group and feeling like that eats at me in such a way that I can't even sleep for months if I there was a specific time I remember it must have been October at one point and and the presentation that I needed to give was in February and and that ate at me every single night that I went to bed of four months of of time there of like, I am going to be exposed so badly. I'm going to freeze. I'm going to fumble my words. And so I imagine this serves both of us really, really well as coaches because now that we've made contact with that frozenness in us in a way that we can speak really consciously about this and, and not let it run yeah. our life, but also hold it, make space yep. for it that clients in a big way I I know the impact that you've had on a couple of my friends and I'm sure on many other people and there's there's so many different directions I want to go in this conversation Jen but I think two things that are coming up for me that you Mm -hmm. teed up really well you did the very best by the way of any guests I've ever had you gave me the most to work with the (laughs) thoughtfulness and the depth of the, the way that you filled out my intake form was beautiful. And two of the things mm. that were on there were around self-care and yeah. practices in your life. Yeah. And I think if someone's listening to this and and they're thinking, this is really beautiful and I feel a little bit safer, but so how can I establish that in my life? What are, what are some practices I feel frozen before speaking in a meeting? I feel frozen before going to a social gathering, a wedding, whatever it is. What are some practices self-care routines ways that you look at that in your life and that maybe you support clients with so that you can you know speak in this conversation I imagine 20 years ago this would never have been possible
1: yeah <clears throat> so true 20 years ago this probably would have never been possible or the possibility of I would have shown up very differently on this call and the in the realness one had been there I would have been, like, like acting almost, you know, you know how like you just kind of a different persona comes out when you're speaking versus when you're just being with someone else. And I'm going to answer your question. I'm also going to share something too, that came up as you were just talking. As I was thinking about this, I was thinking, what creates that frozenness in me when, when I'm doing a podcast or I'm speaking or I'm being recorded and a theme in my life most recently which we can talk about later on in this call or not at all. But I was thinking about like, where, where do I give my power to, right? Am I giving my power to this audience? So I have no idea how they're going to react to this conversation. I'm already teeing up a future state that hasn't even happened yet. Am I giving power, my power to that? Or am I, return, am I returning to my own power and presence in this call? And this, this happens to all of us on a daily basis. And I've been really in touch lately with who am I loyal to? Am I loyal to myself or am I loyal to the other in my life? And that shows up in so many facets. And we could almost talk about that for the entire conversation here today. But I just wanted to tee it up in name that when and we talk about practices, when we return to our own self. And I'm using power, not as a dominating over someone, but as a returning to and, and a relationship with self that no matter what's happening, no matter how much people might judge, cause we are, we're human, this is just part of our life or no matter to, there might be criticism or different belief systems or whatever happens in a conversation that I know that there's a sense of self within me and that there's, I can feel my own power and it's okay. I can include it. I Versus being triggered by it, which are two very different things. So that's power in itself, right? That's like just walking through life and being like, I know who I am and no matter what happens around me, it's okay. I'm okay. And I've been, stepping into that stance more and more recently. And then, you know, in my life. And so it's like, how does someone get to this point? Right. What are these practices? Like how is Jen taking self-care enough to be able to taking so much care automatically of herself? And I have not always done self-care. I have to admit this. And maybe in the past five, six years, I have dialed in my practitioners. They are my tribe. They are my people. And it has taken a while to find good people that you can really feel safe and comfortable with and that have your back no matter what. So things like I get a massage every month. My massage therapist is incredible. And I feel filled emotionally and physically when I leave. I do somatic practice. And so for some of you who don't know what that somatic practice, it's like a, like a way to have the body move instead of maybe the more heady practices that we might call therapy. I've been doing that for six or seven years routinely, several times a month. Let's see, I get all sorts of energy work, kind of physical biofeedback work done. And then I also work with what I might call a monk in my spiritual community and We work through patterns and and belief systems. We also work on creating and what do we want next? And so there's like a whole, whole bolus of stuff that we cover in those sessions. And so when I think about self-care, I think about your physicality, your mind, your brain, your heart, right? How are we creating as people? And so all those facets, I'm lucky enough to be able to afford all of this too. I know that, that some people can't but that's how I take care. It's not just one thing. I actually help build all facets of my life. Cause it's not just one thing that we're investing in. You know, there's all sorts, like I have stuff in my body that's held that my mind has no memory of. Right. So if I'm just doing mind therapy, I might miss what my body's holding. And then there's freedom in that to let that go. Hmm. So I want to get into maybe some practices but I just kind of want to check in any questions or anything that you want to say about that if not I can continue on about the practices too. No, I'm I'm
0: here for the practices where where I was yeah. going to go if you if you pause there so I I'll say breath has come up a couple of times and and so yeah. yeah, I I mean I want to honor the fact that we are both coming from a place of privilege and and it's it might be expensive to do some of these practices like to work with a massage yeah on a regular basis or to afford working with a really good somatic therapist. But I think there's also where my mind was going is there's also really amazing stuff out there and and free content and free practices. And everyone has a breath. And even if you're listening and you're not able-bodied, we all have a breath and there's there's somatic practices that we can all participate in. And one that I've been doing a lot more recently is centering in what I would call or well, I've learned this from the Strozzi Institute, but centering in my length, my width, my depth, and my purpose,
1: mm-hmm. which is a
0: is not a heady practice at all. That is a somatic practice, like really feeling my body anchored on the floor, my feet on the floor, and kind of my structure, my muscle structure resting on my skeleton. Yeah, that's a. I think that's a good way to describe it. Just like letting everything go down. My jaw might be tight, things like that. And with width, it's like, can I open my chest and let my heart be more exposed? It's interesting the way that we naturally guard ourselves and the way that we're all, you know, if we're driving or typing, and there's a lot of like, if, you, if you're if you not watching on YouTube, and you're only listening to audio, I'm doing a kind of arms and shoulders hunched in because we, we're forced to be like that a lot. And we don't really there's a lot of forward, not only forward looking, but forward like our eyes look forward and and if we're not, yeah. if we don't feel into our depth behind us, like that we're missing some information behind us too. So those are, I just wanted to name those things and and hopefully that tees up some other stuff for you because it sounds like you've really robust practices that could be helpful for for listeners.
1: Yeah, I mean, there are so many practices out there and, I, and, and I'm like, I know that there's more that I'm not thinking of in this moment to share, but I also want to just say too, like find, Like my advice to folks is find what works for you, because there's been a lot of practices that people say, oh, this is the best that, you know, this is what I use. And I go to do it. I'm like, I don't even resonate with this. Like, I can't feel my body as I'm doing this. And it's just not for me. And that's okay And breath is actually one of them. It's one of the things that I did this morning was I paused when I woke up and I could, I think actually one of the first things was I was like, I woke up and I acknowledged, I was like, wow, I am feeling so much anxiety in my body. And I think that first acknowledgement, because sometimes we'll blow past it. We'll get up, we'll take a shower, we're like, this will go away. I don't want to think about it, but to actually pause and say, yeah, there's anxiety here. And then to breathe and say, wow, this is a lot of anxiety. Like, wow, this is a lot of anxiety that I'm feeling in my body. And then, you know, this can take maybe some practice to do, but then to say, okay, the anxiety is here to make space for that anxiety to be here, that I'm going to be okay. There's anxiety here. And to be able to hold multiple... Feelings as ones. This is a little bit more. This is not like your basic tool. I probably should start maybe a little bit more simpler, but the simple thing is the acknowledgement of the feeling and then just breathing, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes it'll just move it all together. And sometimes there'll be a place where it says, like, I'm just going to hold this in my body, hold, not hold, like keep it, but acknowledge and be with in this space. And that will also help it move. Um, you know, one of the things that I'm, that I have a superpower is, is processing. And working with this monk though, in my life, her name is Lalita. I'll just identify her because she is just phenomenal. And lately she's like, Jen, it's time. You've done so much processing in your life. And, and my words, although she didn't say this way is like, am I going to spend my entire life processing or am I actually going to feel and drop down the space where, I'm more in flow with my body and my emotions and things can move. Again, this is a little bit more advanced technique. I should should probably go something simpler in this conversation, but you know, there's this place where processing has a huge advantage. It's, It's incredibly important. And it also needs to be balanced with the feeling and the flow of life. And I have been, I have processed through my life a lot and I've missed moments where I'm in my head so much and I'm actually not dropping into my heart. So there's probably more that we can talk about that too, but that's also a place of like, can I just feel this anxiety, not attach to it, not identify it with, but allow it to maybe move through my body or like I did this morning, like speak some things. Like I feel stressed about this. I'm frozen. I'm terrified to be on this call today. <laughs> and sometimes just naming and speaking it, at least for me in my past has been very helpful. So those are a couple things that come to mind as some, you know, tools to kind of use as, as we move through our day. And then certainly the centering technique that you talked about, and there's so many other centering techniques out there that are really important as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think that there are advanced ways to talk about this, but it's also a lot of times I think fear is a big one for me. Anxiety, it, it's in a way rhymes with fear, but a lot of times in the past I've blown by my fear or run away from, avoided. Right, the, I've I haven't actually just allowed myself to feel fear. And yeah. as you're speaking, I I was thinking to myself, it actually is really practical if you think about your emotion as. Cause a lot of times it is, it's, it's like a five-year-old inside of us. Yes. And if you imagine a five-year-old walking up to you on the street right now, and, and they're all really terrified and the the way, how would you help them feel kind of safer and to settle down? You wouldn't just blow past them. And I, a lot of people do this, unfortunately, and say, don't be scared or yeah. whatever. But the way to really help them settle is it's okay to be scared, right? I yeah. see it. It's okay. I get scared sometimes too. Yeah. And yeah. I, I try to talk to myself with that level of empathy and compassion as well. Yeah. What it's yeah, of course this is scary. There's a lot of yeah. people, a lot of people might listen to this and they might judge me. Or even just Jen might judge me. Yeah. In this conversation. Yeah. I, I hold Jen to high esteem. So I get it. I get it, fear. So it's it is it might sound a little squishy to some folks, but it also is really practical. We all feel these different things. And if we could put our arm around them and breathe with it, yeah. then it it makes we, we become almost like a container that can hold more of it and, and still step into power, which is something I definitely want to talk more about. It's really cool to hear you talk about your superpower. You said one of your superpowers is processing and yeah. you're able to step into your power. And before we, before we go there, You know, I typically start the conversation by asking what it was like at your dinner table when you were growing up. Yeah. You don't have to answer that one if you don't want to, but childhood has come up a couple of times. And I know that this could be a a touchy subject to speak about, but I'm just wondering if you could speak a little bit to some of the ways that you've been programmed. Like what, you know, what, what are some of the things that you work with in, in your life And from there, we can start to get into, Yeah, I want to hear about Saima and and your experiences in Egypt and and all this other fun stuff that you're up to in the world now.
1: Yeah, thank you for asking. And I've thought a lot about how I might respond to any question that you might ask about my childhood. And, And, you know, if we were having this conversation years ago, my response might be very different. And what I mean by that is, the way that I see my family, my immediate mom and dad, and then the generations that have come before them <clears throat> is with a lot more compassion and understanding than I have ever felt towards them in my entire life. And I have a sense of gratitude for being at this place that says there's a lot of trauma in our family. They experienced trauma, their parents, their grandparents, et cetera, And so that unregulated nervous system just got transferred from generation to generation to generation. And there are mental, well, how can I respectively say it? Like, you know, mental disorders in the family, schizophrenia, there's bipolar, there's all sorts of places where the brain has never been fully developed to feel safe and loved and accepted in my family. And that got transferred to me as well, just by default, right? And everyone is doing the best that they can. And it was a very challenging childhood. My dinner table was stressful. My parents argued a lot. I understand why they argued, but it was scary to me as a child dinners were rushed. There was a lot of anxiety in the house. And and part of that was me because I was in a lot of sports. I was super active. So we'd come home from school, mom would do her best to get dinner on the table, we'd eat and we're out the door, you know, to the next activity. But I don't ever remember feeling grounded at the house, safe, held, and like, kind of tying back to what we talked to, like, there was actually a place for my feelings. And the opposite would happen is I would feel shamed for feeling in my family. So this whole notion that I kind of touched upon is like, wow, this morning I woke up and I held these feelings. That's a really big deal because it wasn't safe to feel because nobody was feeling in my family. Like it's not their fault, but... 20 years ago, I might have blamed them for this, but now it's like, wow, this just wasn't an experience that anyone had or knew how to hold a container for. I mean, it's a quick side note, but I think about if we could um, have a generation up and coming where we could hold presents for them and say, it's okay. In like that five-year-old that's in the street that is clenched, you know, that physical posture that I often hold myself and say, I got you. And just. Hold while he or she is crying and say it's going to be okay. I'm right here and not shame the feelings, but say it's okay to get angry. It's okay to have this experience and help them process through. It would be an entire different world that we're living in. And the blessing for you, Mike, is that you have a little one up and coming that, you know, some of these skills so you can do just a little bit better than the generation before, you know, doesn't have to be perfect, but even just like teaching some of this. So going back to the family dinner table, it was, it was not a great experience. And so I have spent a lot of my life working through, I'll call trauma, I'll call abuse, like whatever that is in my world to get to a place that says like, wow, I can breathe when feelings come up. I can feel okay. And there is this sense of returning to self and re-empowerment that I felt like I had lost a long time ago. Like I was at the mercy of my dinner table, not that I was Jen Cody at my dinner table eating. And then there was this stuff happening around, you know, two very different aspects.
0: Mm. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, it's it's really important for, for anyone who's listening. And I, I've done a lot of digging on my own childhood as well. Yeah. That That's a lot of where our programming comes from, right? So the, one of the reasons I asked that question is that it invites everyone into their own journey of what was it like at their own dinner table when they were growing up. And I think everyone's got a very unique response to that question. and And I also see a little bit of myself in every single person's answer.
1: Mm-hmm. But the,
0: one of the beautiful things that I'm seeing in your answer now is that because of the level of work that you've done, there's a there's a compassion to really feeling it not an intellectual but feeling from your heart and and in your body. My parents really were doing the best that they could. Yeah and I, I'm also I'm also loving the there's a there's a high performer in me who wants to do parenting perfect and like Mike, you know all these things and so, you're right. Never gonna mess up. Never mess up for Nathan. And I, I appreciate the way that you said, even if you just do it a little bit better, that's that's a beautiful that's a beautiful bar to set, right? So I'm going to be an improvement and also I'm a human and so I'm gonna trip and fall a million times. But that's just a reflection I have. I would love to yeah. get into self with a capital S is what I'm hearing. You've talked yeah. about being yourself and, and being in your power. And I think there's there's probably a lot of different ways that you look at how how you've arrived at that. But I just can't, I circled Sai Ma, your your guru, a couple of times on this page, because it just seems like she has had such a profound impact on you. And I yeah. imagine if anyone's ever talking to you about your spiritual practices and ways that you've learned and grown most in your life that Sai Ma would inevitably come up. So I would yeah. love to just start with Sai Ma. How did you connect with her in the first place? And, and maybe some in whatever way you see fit, just speak to your experience of being under her tutelage and, and what you've learned about your capital S self and your power uh, in, in being around her.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. Thank you for inviting me to speak about this. And I feel so much joy in my body when I think of her and I, I admire Saima and, you know, one of the things I think about like who represents success to me and my, in my life, it is Saima hands down. She is a master, a guru, a teacher, And she is a divine feminine and an example, a living being of the divine feminine and also the balance of the divine masculine as well. She is, I want to say she is everything. She is everything for me, obviously, but for the world as to what is possible for us to be able to step into, to kind of come out of this, going back to the family dinner table aspects of ourselves and into like who are we who is the capital s in self right versus all the programs that cloud who we are and cover up the who we really are and so i i have i have always been on this discovery of growth of personal growth for a very long time i mean as much as i after high school it had, this has been the journey and I have not had, I've had a very challenged life, like many people have, probably that you have come on this podcast and who are listening and who are out in the world. And so I always had this like yearning for what's out there? Who am I? Like, how do I, that I'm not happy. How do I work through this lack that I'm feeling or whatever the emotion was coming up? And in 2014, I was in a relationship. And at the beginning of 2015, so like a year in or so, maybe a year and a half, I was really struggling with some really deep fears and like traumas, like I want to say, yeah, deep traumas that nothing else that I had turned to in my life was moving it through my body or resolving what was happening. And it was so strong that I was like, there has to be an answer to this medication wasn't work. I was getting migraines. I was having all sorts of stuff. And I was like at a place of like, I don't know what else to do. And so his dad and stepmom had gone to an a, a Ma program. And this was a big, be- kind of a beginning program, but not really a beginning program, but Asai Psy- Ma would work at very deep levels and actually unroot Stuff that most humans can't because she works at much of a higher energetic level. And they said, Jen, you've got to go to this program. I didn't know who Saima was. They did not, I don't remember them saying that she was the guru. I didn't even know who she was. So I resisted it for months and months and months. And then one day, I remember this vividly. I was like, oh, I'm doing this. I signed up for this program. It's thousands of dollars. I didn't even question it. I didn't even research who she was. I mean, this is so not like me. And in December in 2015, I signed I I arrived at this program and literally I have never been the same since Saima has been in my life in a very good way. And it has not always been joy and and, and love and compassion and kindness and this just like best life ever. It's been a very challenged road because to have Such of a presence of hers on this planet, such divinity, such closeness to source, actually a living being on the planet is triggering. She brings up stuff in you so that there's more freedom and expansiveness to to continue this growth path. And there's some gurus and masters who are very different, who may not trigger as much, but Saima is here on this planet and she makes it very expressive. I'm here to cultivate, that's my word, masters. I want you to be a master of your own life. I want you to not be dependent on someone else, but to have all the tools in your toolbox to evolve and grow and heal and become who you are. And so that is her mission on this planet amongst many other things. And so anyways, that is the story of how I got involved. And then from that first program that I went to I think I have signed up for almost everything that she has offered since. Hmm. And here we are in 2023. So um, it has been the best part of my life. Uh, I am so grateful that she's here. And there are there are things that I feel like the, I'll say the average human or maybe even a healer on this planet couldn't move or shift in me like she, she can. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. All right. So there's a lot of things that I want to make sure I say here, and we'll, we'll see if I'm able to get all of them out of me. But you, you have <laughs> yeah. that, that type of presence, Jen. So I think I'll be able to do it. So spirituality and guru, but it's, I think especially the word guru, yeah. there's a harsh stigmatization of that word. And and I what I'm hearing in the way that you're describing guru is actually someone who is unearthing what's most true to you yes yeah and uh, the way that we look at guru at least this is my projection of the way that most people look at guru when they hear the word is it's someone who makes themselves the center and everyone needs to be like totally totally and so there's a i want to i wanted to presence that that i think it's interesting to hear I think probably in the purest sense of the word, a guru is someone who has done so much work that they can help unearth the best of every single other person. And yeah. it's not about enlisting followership or, you know, the like a, the Nexium type of thing where uh, I, I think his name is Keith Renier, and, you know, he's got this whole multi-level marketing thing going yeah. on and he's using it to manipulate people. And it's actually, it sounds like the exact opposite of that. So yep. I, I know in the past, I've had such allergic reactions to the words guru and spirituality that I, I noticed I wanted to say that.
1: Yeah. And I know you want to say something else, but I'll just say me too. Like I right. was like, I had so much judgment around a guru. I was like, this is just another something and blah, blah, blah. And I'm not, I mean, I was so judgmental about this and I had my own beliefs and paradigms around it, but it is so not what I thought it to be. To find a, a whole wholesome, real, true master that is living on this planet is is incredible. It's life-changing. It's hard to find words for it, actually, in this moment. But yeah, c- keep going. I know you have more to say. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. You allowed me to collect myself a little bit, and I think that I'm going to
0: be able to get more out here. So One thing that that I noticed as you were speaking, that's been true for me, is there's a level of run through of the medical system. Like there isn't a, I please give me something that is going to make this pain go away. I'm actually sitting here right now with a lot of back pain, and and I've spent tens of thousands of dollars through the medical system. Well-intended people, I I don't have harsh things to say about people in the medical system. I just think that it's it's wholly incomplete look at the human body in a lot of ways. And so it seems very common for a lot of folks who get into these more esoteric spaces that we've gone through the more traditional modalities and found a, a lack of success in it. So yeah, the, I'm hearing that there is there is there are a lot of things in you, and this has been true for me too, that the medical system is was unable to remedy in some right. way. Right. I think it's important to to highlight that, again, holding space for both in the way that we checked in in the beginning here, like the medical system does so many amazing things. And it also isn't the the panacea that a lot of us believe it to be the thing that can cure us of all of the, the maladies totally. that are happening in our body. Sometimes it is something that it's this energy that needs to be moved through us or some other thing. And I, I'm i not speaking about this from a place of I've arrived, like I'm sitting here in a, immense back pain right now, still working through, man, what is it? Go, like, it's not going to be physical therapy or a chiropractor, because I've done all that. And I've been rigorous about it for years. But I clearly haven't gotten to the bottom of it. And what's it what's it going to be? Like What's that thing? I, I know a lot of people get stuck running around the, the merry go round of like, I need to do this, and I need to do this. And I, I appreciated the way that you spoke to the way that this has been so helpful to have a, a really rich spiritual practice yeah, in some way has really helped you with things that felt like I, I was looking so hard for that's what I'm hearing is I was looking so hard for these answers I wasn't getting them yeah and I, I know that's true for a lot of people yeah and you know there's there's so many other threads that I think could be interesting to parse through here but I speak a lot about feminine energy, masculine energy, and I, I hear a lot of people talk about that. And, you know, a lot of personal development podcasts and pieces of content, it, it's become really hot button popular thing to say. And I, I just get the sense that you have a really thoughtful way that you could describe it and not a oversimplified uh, gendered way of, of explaining it. So I'm just wondering if you could speak to what you saw in Saima, what you see in Saima as this healthy integration of masculine and feminine energy? How do you look at what that means?
1: That is such a good question. And I'm just pausing to collect my thoughts and be able to articulate this because there is a succinct way, a very simple way to name it. And she, first of all, she embodies both equally. Like she, she is both masculine and she is both feminine. So what does that mean? It's how she lives her life. It's she's compassionate, but she's also firm. She's strong and like, like fierce and she is also very loving and supportive and tender. Right. And I've seen all of that and more come through her as she's working with me, others in the community, as she's speaking at programs. And she has really activated the divine feminine specifically on this planet, not in a way to overpower the divine masculine, because I think that's the fear of like, oh my gosh, the feminine is going to take over and now the the men feel like that they will be will be second or will they lose their power it's actually no like and this kind of goes back to a lot of diversity work as well of like no how do we all find the balance within ourselves and there's an equality there there's not a better than there's not a more of and i can feel and i see it that balance in her I see when she's fierce and harsh and maybe some people might be like, wow, that could be like borderline mean and how she talks to someone, but she's piercing through an old pattern for this person and saying, no, It's the light in you that I want to shine, not the darkness that I see or not the lower vibration frequency. And so that's, that's kind of a masculine, like it can also be feminine. There's also a lot of feminine goddesses out there from, you know, that we worship that the people worship that are also have that fierceness in them. You know what I mean? So we, so we, there's a balance in life that I feel is emerging and there's making space for the feminine in all of us and the feminine on this planet in a way that says, wow, how can we call towards more compassion and kindness and that return to that part of ourselves that might be dormant for a very long time, while we also say yes to the masculine? So we're holding both. Similar to how you and I have been holding both of our energies this morning in our check-in, right? It's like, I mean, this podcast is kind of totally coming together in this synergy, but that's what I see that's alive in her, that she's showing to all of us that this is possible. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah,
0: it's it's reminding me, and then i I want to get to maybe an example of how she's served you because I know that stories can really illustrate a, a lot yeah. of a lot of what we're talking about. I think a story can really hammer it home. but i I'm gonna share a story that's coming up for me, and it, it's it's mm-hmm. not exp- on my end, but I think it embodies what you're speaking to here. This balance of being really loving and caring and also having maybe like a firm boundary, firmness is yep. what you said, and being like, I'm not going to allow this into my space, but with a loving energy. And there was a time that Liz Gilbert, who's one of my favorite people, she was a guest on the Tim Ferriss show, and she was relaying a story of she, she attended an event that Byron Katie, who mm-hmm. I think is a, someone that I don't know her work that well, but. She's got, she's got a lot of tools that have been popularized with a lot of people in our space. Anyway, Liz Gilbert was at an event that was led by Byron Katie, and I'm sure this is very common for a lot of people of her stature. Someone came up to Byron Katie after the talk and said, I've written a book recently. I really want you to read it, and here's a copy. It's a free copy for you to read. And Byron Katie looked at her and said, oh, sweetie, I'm never going to read that book. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my and gosh
0: I think that it, in a lot of way, I was thinking about that as you were speaking that there's there's a it's like so kind and also I I, I feel I internalize that as a gut punch in in a way that's yeah. like oh that is so fierce to say yeah. that one but no yep. oh sweet I'm never going to read that book yeah. so I'm, I'm wondering if there's a is there a story that comes to mind for you for how Saima has served you, if not in that way. Maybe maybe it wasn't exactly in that way, but just the story about how she has served you. She's opened up so much in your life.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm sitting here trying to think of like, oh my gosh, in the seven, eight years that I have been with Saima, like there are so many examples of service. And I just want to name that in like, a, a, just a complete honoring of how she has shown up in my life. And the devotion that I feel so strongly for her and then in turn for myself. So one thing actually recently came up. So I attended this program in June. And this is going to speak to power and the -hmm. the finding of self. So I signed up for this program in June. And it was a five-day journey where Sai Ma took 40-some of us into the light, into source, like the, she, she very, very high frequency, high consciousness program. Something that she has created is this, she's not offered this before. We were the first group of folks to go through it. And at the beginning, she walks into the room and she says, okay, what's holding you back from enlightenment, right? And she was, she was very firm, you could almost say angry, but it wasn't anger. It was just like, what's holding you back from enlightenment, right? Like, I want to know, like, let's, let's get to this. So I have never spoken at an event of hers before. Cause usually there's a couple hundred people and you know, I play small and all these other programs run. So my hand shoots up. I, now I did not say I raised my hand. My hand sh- shoots up as this question goes. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I am going to speak. And I'm thinking, what am I going to say? And for the past 10 years, I have had migraines that have been, migraines are debilitating to begin with, but when they come for me, I, I do not know how to, and I'll use this in air quotes, get rid of them. And I have this fear in my body that they will continue. Medication doesn't work. I have tried everything, everything, you name it under the sun, nothing will shift a migraine for me, not sleep, not caffeine, whatever. Until I actually process through the feeling that I'm triggered by, and then the migraine goes away. And then there's a whole physical of massage and everything to get my body back to balance. So this has been going on for years. I've missed months of work. I've had to take time off. It has been debilitating. I can hardly function. So my hand goes up. She calls on someone else before me. This woman is talking about anger in her life. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to talk about my migraines. And so so then Saima comes to me and says, okay, what is this? And I said, I am ready to be complete with my migraines. And I had sent her emails. We had been in dialogue for years about this. They're still coming. And I thought, I definitely, it cannot be enlightened with a migraine, but I definitely do not want to live past this program with this migraine energy in my space. And so she said, interesting that you asked this question right after someone before you talks about anger. And I'm like, oh, don't, please don't make me feel anger in front of these people at this program, right? Like this is, I I definitely don't want to feel there's shame around this and it wasn't safe. So she said, there was an incident that happened right before the migraine started. And to make a very long story short, I had already identified what that was because we had been in dialogue about this. And I said, okay. And she said, take back your power from this situation. And then she walks around the room and calls on someone else. And I'm like, what? Like she's working with other people. She's releasing emotions. And I'm thinking to myself like, how come you're not doing that with me? (laughs) Like We're not done. And I told myself that I was not gonna leave this program with this pattern in my system. So I want to say like an hour and an hour and a half goes by and I am getting angrier and angrier. I'm sitting in my seat and I'm thinking, why isn't she, she's paying attention to all these other people and not me. So finally I'm like, I am going to sit here and take my power back. And I was so angry and, in, and, and I'll say this in the credit, but I was like, fuck it. So I sat there and like a huge, plug like an outlet plug I I visualized the the sexual harassment case that had happened at a prior work event and I took my plug out of my power out of the situation and I unplugged myself from it and then I plugged back into me of my own power and I was rageful but I don't know if anyone could see it it was all happening inside of me And so I'm sitting there and I'm like, yeah. And then she's going around the room and it's starting to be at the closing of this evening session. And so I was like, I'm not leaving this room until I'm done. So I raise my hand again. She calls on me. I stand up and I say, I have taken my power back. I've unplugged my power from this, this source. What else is left? And she looks at me and she's so happy. And she says, that's it, my dear. There is no migraine um, like energy in your field at all. It is complete. And in the moment, I actually did have a migraine, and I said, I still am experiencing the migraine. And she said, just give the body a chance to reprogram itself because for so, for decades, right, I get triggered and then boom, my occipital, my brain, everything would activate. So I had several migraines after this, after the program ended and I got home for maybe a month, I was still getting migraines. I haven't had one since July. And there have been many moments where it wouldn't surface. But in that moment, I mean, this is work that I feel like only a guru can activate. And you're like, I mean, no therapist or practitioner could be like, Jen, I'm sensing that this specific incident in your life was where you actually gave your power to someone else. And you need to reclaim that. Otherwise you're going to be living in this experience forever. Right. And I understand why people are on medications for the rest of their life or, you know, seeking medical support forever, because that would have been me with this migraine situation. And it feels complete in my body right now. So there is, you know, she's able to heal But only with our permission, we have free will on this planet, right? And she says this all the time. So that is an example where deep healing, and she did say to me in that moment, you have done a lot of work around this. Like She couldn't have just said that to me maybe 10 years ago, because there was a process for me to go through. There were ahas, you know, there's all this stuff that had shifted for me. So that was a life-changing experience that I will never forget in that moment. And one other thing, one last thing that I'll say is that if she had done the work with me, like she was doing with other people, I wouldn't have reclaimed my power in the same way that I did, (laughs) even though I was so angry. And I got in touch with some anger that needed to release around how much I had been giving my power to the other, whether it's a male or a female or whatever in my life. It's incredible. And then that's where the mastery comes. That's where the sense of returning back to self that I feel in my body now after, after this experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm so grateful that she's here to help.
0: Hmm. Jen, when you started to get going there, I, I started, I, I had a big smile on my face cause I could kind of see where that was going. The, the way that she provoked you in a, such a masterful way to, yes. to dig in there, right? That there's a level of mastery that is required for someone yeah. to to know, I need to give her this thing. And then that shit's going to stew in her. It's going <laughs> to, it's going to bring up a lot. And Ugh. if she's ready for it, it'll free her. And if she's not, then, you know, we, we've got some more work to do Yeah, is how, is how I'm hearing it. I, I could feel myself getting bigger at the way that, yeah, I imagined my hand shoots up and like, I'm proud, I'm proud of myself. I'm allowing right. myself to be seen in front of this group. I finally spoke up, and this is the attention I get. Right. This is this is how I'm treated when I finally stop playing small. Yeah. And yeah, that's a that's a really moving story. I'm really glad that you shared that one. And if there's any other stories that come up, you know, we still got a good amount of time left in this conversation. I'm having such a blast and such a good time. And if there's other things that you think fit into this conversation, just always feel free. You don't have to cut yeah. yourself. We're in a, a beautiful long form space here. But yeah. I would love to get into this is I know in itself is a practice and, and is always evolving, but I'm really feeling this this uh desire to like tap into who's Jen? Or who's Jen in her power? Who's Jen? Mm. In herself. Like who's, who's the gen that's speaking to me right now? I'm seeing a, a woman who is in her power right now and I feel yeah. like, right. So there's this kind of back and forth thing that's happening. And, and that's what sounds like happens with Saima too. And so like, wh- what have you connected to made contact with in yourself and, and who would you say you are as capital S self in your power? What, what are you speaking yeah. to there? If you drill in a little bit more
1: thank you for this. And it's, you know, that, that program was in June and it's just in air quotes here, October. So this is evolving for me. And I feel like maybe if we speak again in a year, I could have like so much more content. And, and for right now, because we're here, I loyalty, I'm going to say this from a spiritual perspective and then I'll explain it loyalty to my soul I am feeling immensely right now and have been. So loyalty to self, we're kind of back to that capital S and like, what does that mean? So let me share another story. So back in March of this year, I had a two-year relationship that ended and there wasn't loyalty on, on his end in the relationship for reasons that I completely understand and have compassion for now. But back then I was really angry. And I was like, I have had relationship after relationship that has been not loyal in various ways, usually with another female involved or whatever. And I'm like, I am doing my work. Every time a relationship ends, this pattern comes up. I do a little bit more work around this. And I, what is left for this? And I was in a session with Alita, who I referred to. She's a monk in the Saima community. She's fabulous. She has like totally also changed my life. And I have so much deep respect for her. And she said to me in session with this like very, almost like Saima's energy, but like with fierce and love and compassion, but firmness. She said, Jen, where are you not loyal to yourself? And I paused, and it kind of threw me back in my seat a little bit, like, oh, my God, this is about me? No, this is about the other men in my life that haven't been loyal. Like, But I sat there, and I said, oh, my God, where am I not loyal to myself? And I mean, like, deeper elements of loyalty. Like, I'm not... I am, I am loyal in relationship to the person. Like I'm not looking for someone else. Okay, fine. But where am I not loyal to myself? Where do I back down? Where do I doubt? Where do I second guess my really strong intuition? Where do I, play small, like, you know, like in this podcast this morning, like some of that lack of loyalty, we could also call it this morning came up of like, I feel I'm a anxious and I'm worried about this. Is my loyalty to the other and how they might judge in this conversation or is my loyalty in just speaking my truth and showing up real in a conversation. And I started, I spent like weeks just journaling, like, where am I not loyal? I'm like, oh my gosh, like everywhere in my life. There are moments where my lack of loyalty to myself comes up. Like, where might I judge myself? What where might I resist something in my life versus accepting it? Hmm. Where might I push down emotion and like it's the word that I'm looking for, but push down is the thing that's coming to you right now and not want to look at something versus being loyal to who I am and accepting that emotion into my heart versus that resistance? Where am I lowering my vibration every day to be a people pleaser and make others happy because I'm nervous that they might get hurt when I'm tiptoeing around or that I won't get my needs met versus speaking what's really important to me, but not from a place of like domination and power and arrogance, but from this place. Right. Where, so all of that. And I have been looking at that since March, April timeframe after this relationship ended. I'm like, Oh my God, I'm so thankful for this relationship. I'm so thankful for Lalita, who, who, who named it for me because oftentimes it's so easy to judge what's happening in our life, but there's some part of us, a pattern that we're actually living that is manifesting for us externally. So the the lack of loyalty that I've been feeling in my relationships, it was a a mirror of the lack of loyalty that I've been living for myself. And so, man, since then, and then this program in June with Saima, and then my, you know, migraines being healed. And then this return to self of like, Whoa, where's my devotion? I have, I have, I have such strong devotion to Saima, but she's a reflection of me. So where's my devotion to me? And, you know, it's like all of these aha awarenesses have been coming into place. And even the going back to my family dinner table, the survival patterning, the, the vigilance that we also talked about in, in your relationship too with your wife or your wife's experience, I can relate to that vigilance. But I've been living my life, giving my power to other people, you know, that vigilance has like, I'm afraid or that I'm giving my power to the other versus being like, I'm just going to drop in, you know, and that dropping in and that return to self and my meditation practice day to day, which is now very, now very strong. Wasn't earlier this year has really helped strengthen that place inside of me that's self, that kind of that inner power. And when I find that I'm out of it, cause that has happened a lot as well. I now can say, Oh, I, this doesn't feel right. And then I'm like, instead of going to shame, I really try and say, okay, I'm just going to return to my power. Instead of shaming the, decades of this little one that hasn't been in her power it's like nope okay that's okay we have spent my entire life not being in my power so this isn't going to happen right away you know i'm not just gonna show up to everything in my life being this strong force and in time that'll happen so maybe that helps answer your question but that's who is emerging within me right now that's the place that i'm really stepping into Mm -hmm. that like unity with self in a much deeper way than I've had a relationship to it before. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: So a couple of housekeeping things and then definitely a follow-up question because there's a, there's a lot of gold that's being unearthed here. So yeah, the monk, can you spell the monk's name? Is it Lalita?
1: Lalita. So it's L-A-L-I-T-A. Lalita
0: so would our Lalita and Saima are they available to be reached online are they people that I could link to in the show notes
1: oh yeah let me let me actually talk to Lalita and see if she would be okay with that and see what that is but yes Saima definitely she has a website we can definitely link it I, I can share all that information afterwards for sure
0: yeah, I wanted to make sure and and I think may, maybe one follow up, I don't know if this is the question I want to lead with here is I, I yeah. think if, if people are listening to this and are going, wow, I want some of that in my life, right? I want to step into my power. I want someone to illuminate wherever I need to, you know, where the loyalty that to self hasn't been present in my life or whatever the presenting yeah. challenge is for everyone. Like where, where would people go to look, right? You're on the West Coast, I'm I'm in the New York City area like what what do people look for maybe is is one question that i have and that, we could start there actually
1: yeah you mean like in a practitioner or something or just more general is that what you're asking yeah, I guess like it doesn't, how do they not
0: have to be a monk or a spiritual yeah. guru but like who yeah. what what did you notice in them that has helped you make deeper and deeper contact with yourself and be in your power
1: yeah oh that is such a good question I mean, what's coming up right now is just the reminders that Lalit and Sama give to me of really who I am. I am. I'm not someone that is small. I'm actually someone that it's okay to take up space. And I mean like to have space, but you know, there is space for me on this planet, right? So in whatever way, whether it's a friend, a mentor, book. I mean, so there's some books that I've read that actually activate that in me as well, you know, to, to kind of come out of the old way of thinking or our patterns, like, oh, I have to be this way. Anything that will help activate, like, who are we? I mean, that's kind of a question that I might pose to the audience is, who are you, right? And how do you want to resonate or what's your vibration on this planet? What do you want to kind of leave with? Like who are you internally? Are you the stories that we tell ourselves or that our parents told us or that our neighbors or the trauma? Are we the trauma? Or are we the freedom that comes when we find ourselves going through it? You know? So I think and and my journey has not just been Saima or with Lita. It's like it's like all the people that have influenced my life, my tribe, my friends, you know, past relationships that have ended have always left something with me in a way that helps me return to who I am so maybe that's answering your question it's not specific enough maybe I don't know if you're looking I don't know if I can be any more specific than that though um but just keep staying open to the possibility of what of what you're wanting in your life and then find that in a person a thing or whatever
0: yeah yeah for sure yeah Books came up. I maybe there's a couple of books that are, you know, practical guides in some way or that could be helpful. Would would love to link to those in the show notes. Any books come to mind? You said that there have been some.
1: Yeah, I mean, Saima actually has a book out. We can we can link to her book trying to it's something, gosh, I should know the name of it right now. And I can't see it on my bookshelf over there, but it's something about consciousness. It's an incredible book, and it's a great book for even if you're just beginning your journey, you don't have to be like fully into it. It's it's a great one. So we can link that, you know, even books like Viola Davis, she wrote an autobiography about finding me. I was told I love like autobiographies. I even love watching movies that are based on true stories, because it's truth. It's someone's truth. And I, th- I think Viola Davis is such a like an inspiration, at least she was to me, even reading her book, I found some power within myself to walk through. Prema Children, she's very famous, her book of when things fall apart. I mean, you might even have linked this to other conversations, but that is an incredible book where I felt empowered to like how the the good, you know, what good thing comes from this specific incident in my life, really, and really turning towards the gift in it, trying to find the gift versus looking at it like, oh this is done to me, not for me, right So life is happening for me, life is not happening to me and it's a very different paradigm to look at it that way. I mean there's there's so much that I've read and maybe we can link more, but those are kind of a just a couple that really touch the surface of some books. Yeah.
0: We and if there's more that come up later, and I also yeah you know, I, I muted myself quickly to look up Simon's book and it's I think it's called Conscious Living is, is Conscious right. Living
1: yes yeah. thank you thank you thank you yes so Conscious Living <laughs>
0: Conscious Living and I'll, I'll link the other books Pema Chodron's book and Viola Davis's book in the show notes yeah. as well and yeah I think I, it, it is hard to be specific about what to look for in a practitioner the the practitioner that I'm currently working with I didn't. At the time that i first encountered him i didn't have the language around what was yeah. what was going on there that i wanted in my life or, or how is that serving me but i think we all are more intuitive than we probably believe ourselves to be or or have allowed ourselves to be certainly which is w- another thing that i'm hearing in, in your journey that i definitely want to press more into because it's been true for me too like leaning yeah. into intuition and what yeah. that typically looks like for you is where I yeah. want to go. But I think what I'm what I'm hearing in your answer is, yeah, just like look for people who see the highest version of you, who yeah. know how to help you probe you, yeah, and and you're gonna get there if you're if you're devoted and and committed enough. If that feels important enough to you. And unfortunately, a lot of times it's it's pain that drives us to that place. I know that's been true for me. Yeah, but. Yeah, I think the the right there's the 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 old adage is when the student is ready the teacher appears. Yes. Right? So if we start to just be good at noticing or or even have some level of I'm just going to be more aware of what's coming into my field right now and the things that I'm I'm hungry for like something's going to emerge for me. That's a that's a cool way to to be. Like that's that's been a new thing for me as well. So anyway, Intuition yeah. is, is its another, you know, just like masculine and feminine energy, it's its something that a lot of people in the coaching industry talk about, and I, I think it's really easy to be misunderstood. And I would just love to hear the way that you look at intuition in your life, what intuitive hits feel like for you, choices that you've made out of intuition. Working with Saima, Ma, you said you did no research, like what happened there, right? <laughs> Yes, there's a, I'm guessing that was intuition. So yeah, I know I threw a mouthful at you, but I just wanted to set the table for how do you look at intuition? What does it feel like for you?
1: Yeah. And one thing that I want to touch upon, that's going to lead into the intuition kind of discussion is finding a practitioner, a friend, a mentor, a book that is honest And that is speaking their truth. I know, I mean, Lolita is honest with me. I mean, she tells me like, Jen, you're playing victim or you're in a pattern or, you know what I mean? She's, but lovingly, like not from a place of judgment and harshness, but like, Hey, this, this is what I see this in you. Is this how you want to be? And it's like a call up to greatness, but until But we can't get there unless we're talking truth. We're speaking our truth with each other. And I remember when I first started coaching, I'd come from big companies, corporate America, where I'm not really sure if truth was really welcomed in that environment at all. And I say, I'm not sure. It definitely wasn't. Let me just say that. (laughs) And there's a lot of fear around when I would want to speak my truth, how that would be uh, right received. And so when I started coaching, I was timid. I was like... Do I give this client feedback? Do I really share my perspective on what's showing up for them or how they're acting in a way that's kind? Oh, wonder if they yell at me? And so I had to kind of work through some layers in that. And and I so I say if 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 folks that are listening can find someone that can speak honestly, have honest dialogue in a place that is safe, that's your person that's your person that will help you on the next step of your journey. And that can be with you, you know? So that is a really important thing. Right. And then it, of course, then it always goes back to like how truthful and honest are we with ourselves? I mean, this is also a part So, I mean, all of this is like the exterior manifest inside, you know, if when Lalita, Lalita said, where's your loyalty to yourself, where aren't you being loyal to yourself? If I dismissed that truth, that honest, raw speaking, I would not be where I'm at today. I would have missed an opportunity, a golden opportunity to really shift and change. And then I would have I would have manifested a similar relationship, right? So when I think about intuition, there's a there's a truthfulness that I that's important to connect with about myself, and not discredit the truth that's coming up inside of me, which is the in- intuition that's happening, right? And gosh, how do I, how do I feel that intuition? I mean, it's kind of, it's, I I think it's a knowing that surfaces. And now that I'm more in tune with it, there's a depth, I can feel like a plopping in to myself, a depth. And I'm like, Ooh, that's a place that I want to follow. And I, and I think, I don't remember fully, but I think back in 2015, when I randomly, it wasn't random at all, signed up for SiMa's program Without doing any research and just dropped a ton of money, there was something in me that was a calling that said, "Yes, you're doing this," and I just didn't question it. And there I was in this program. So, it's it's similar. It's similar in my life. And I sometimes I still waver, like, "Oh, I'm I I think I'm being called to this." It's like, wait, nope, Jen, take a breath, pause, right? Feel into this. And and I I've had some clients say, "Gosh, how do you know?" when it's a pattern showing up like, Oh, you really should sign up for this course or, Mm. and it's actually an alignment and a calling that you're being called to do. And there's an alignment there and there is a fine line, you know, sometimes I find myself doing something. I was like, Oh, maybe that wasn't so much intuition, but it was like guilt or I should have. And I Mm -hmm. feel called to it only because I'm moving away from a specific feeling versus towards a calling which are two very different responses.
0: I want to I want to share something here if there's more that you yeah. think then please keep going. Please by. share. I have, I haven't thought about it quite this way before but I, I notice that's a tripwire for me a lot of times is is am I having a, an old pattern show up that's masquerading as intuition saying like yes sign up for that that's going to save you that's going to be the thing that gets you to the next level. Yep. Or is it really a yes for me? And the way that I'm thinking about it in this moment right now is if I went right outside and spoke to my wife about this, an intuitive hit that I got, if I said to her what the intuition was, would I feel the need to explain it to her afterwards? Mm. Or, or would I just be like, this is this is true for me?
1: Yes. It, yes. That's right? a great way of saying it. Yeah. Yes. Yes.
0: So I, I'm thinking, and, and there's a scene in the movie Good Will Hunting, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie before, that yeah. Robin, Robin Williams, the character that Robin Williams plays, talks about he was at game six of the World Series at Fenway Park. And he, you know, it's a huge, it's the biggest game he's ever been to in his life. And, and he sees a woman across at the bar before they go into the game. And he, he gives his friends the tickets and say, I, I just have to go see about this girl. Yes, I have to explain anything. That's
1: yes. I have goosebumps as you're talking about this. Yes, that is intuition. That is knowing. Yeah, that you follow. Even what feels might be like a blind follow because you're not actually sure what's going to happen or whatever. But you, there's a knowing inside. There's like a yeah resonance. There's an alignment that's unwavering. Might be another way to say it. yeah. You don't have to explain to your wife. When you know that something is really true, and she's going to feel that in you and not question it, that's the other thing, right? But when we show up and we say, "Oh, I, I think I want to do this thing," I don't know, honey. What do you think? And da da da. <laughs> then it could become a disagreement. Like we don't have money, we don't have this da da da. But when you come and say, "I'm doing this. This feels right." It's it's just a different frequency. Yeah. Mm. I, a story comes to mind. And in, in actually, in another month, I am flying to Malaysia to receive some top-notch stem cell treatment just for overall health and longevity. And this was a doctor that Thayma had actually brought into a global gathering last year that we have every December in Florida, and he spoke for several hours. And I felt I so called to this treatment. The, the link was for migraines, but now that they have actually shifted, I, I am still moving forward with this treatment. It has taken the majority of my savings. And there are times where I'm like, oh, my God, what? The hell am I doing? Like, this, like, to anyone on the outside, they'd be like, Are you serious? You're going to fly to Malaysia, receive this stem cell treatment that you've never done before. You're going to have total devotion and trust into this doctor and then your guru that this is necessary. And you can feel it in your body come alive, but you are not going to have much money come next year or now. And I'm like, Yes. And I keep returning back to this, yes. When I booked the tickets for the flight a couple, just a couple months ago, I couldn't sleep. I had so much energy. I think it was up till like 2am in the morning, which is not my thing. And I couldn't figure it out right away. And then I was like, oh my God, this is an alignment and a resonance for me. I'm doing this. So I'm just tying this story back to intuition. And even though it seems crazy or questionable sometimes are things there is there's usually a hidden service that we don't know right away that's available when we follow our intuition Hmm.
0: so beautiful so i'm gonna i'm gonna attempt to connect a a dot here that I i think will make sense and and we'll see if it does you said i think it was there's space for me in this world Right? yeah, and I was in touch with my own kind of core limiting beliefs that I have or my core wounds. And one of them actually is there's no room for me. Mm. and no one gets me. And the way that this is a connecting dot for me is that you in in the pre-screening, which I've already praised about how thoughtful it was, you you said maybe we could talk through core beliefs and and for me, i'm I'm phrasing it as core wounding like yeah. things that were programmed in us before we had uh, the ability to make our own choice about what we wanted to believe
1: basically. Right.
0: Which in my estimation are, those are the the scripts that come clawing at us and block intuition in a lot of ways. Yeah. So one of the yeah. ways to build the skill of intuition is to make deeper contact with core beliefs. I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if, you know, if if there's space for me is something you've had to step into, maybe there's no room for me is, is one that we share. Are there other core beliefs that have been really important for you to explore? And or when you're working with clients, what are some of the really common ones that you see as core beliefs that you help people work through?
1: Yeah, this is such a good question. I mean, common ones would be like, I am not enough. Like, I don't feel like, I am not enough, and there's even there's a couple poems and quotes that are coming to mind that speak to this like not enoughness in the world, right? Like, or I'm not capable, or I'm not good enough to do yada yada. I see it a lot in my clients, the CEOs, the leaders that I work with from day to day, and you know, it's it's I feel like it's 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 very much a part of this society, and you know, another one is. You know, another one that actually came up for me. I don't know. I don't know how much it's shared, but my hypervigilance, I realized that I must track everything to survive because no one is tracking me. Ugh, that was like an owie. This is just like a month and a half ago because I realized I was like running around the house like spreadsheets. I have a landscaping design that just completed and I was like tracking the contractors in this and I was like, I'm exhausted. Like I can't keep up. If they forget something, it's okay, you know, whatever. But, and I was like, oh my gosh, I have to track everything because no one's tracking me. And that's how I felt as a child, not as a judgment towards my parents, but so there's that, that might show up. And, you know, the core belief of worthiness, like, am I worthy to be on a podcast with Mike? You know, that showed up in the very beginning when we had an intro call, like, I don't know, like I've seen other people that you've spoken to and had discussions with. And I'm like, wow, they're amazing. And so there goes my worth meter down, right? So that, that shows up for people. It's a common belief. And any one of the, I'm not enough, I'm not worthy, the lack, the lack of abundance, right? Like, I don't know if I can have what other people can have. Am I worthy of that? That's a big one that comes up. Any one of these can... Limit our intuition, you know, and kind of limit how much we can create and expand in our life because we're still boxed in by these things. And And I want to caveat this and say, and not to f- have people feel like, oh my gosh, Jen, well, I'm walking around with this. Am I doomed? Like, how do I get through this? And I say, you know, Saima has said to us that until enlightenment or whatever that place is for whatever religion or spiritual place that you think, until we're at the kind of the ultimate where these beliefs are always going to be running always until we reach that place there was some like breath that I took like oh thank god because it's sometimes they just continue to run and they don't go away the difference in our spiritual evolution is that we identify less and less with them Mm -hmm. so it so it begins out as I am not worthy and it ends with I'm feeling this energy of unworthiness in my space. It's like a real different, and that takes some work to get there, but, and then it's like, okay, I'm just going to allow this energy of unworthiness to move through because I know I'm not that versus I am unworthy or I am not enough or like, I am afraid I'm not, I, I won't have abundance in my life. Right. So yeah. So those are some of the things that come to mind as like really common. I mean, there's a lot more to, but those are some of the things that come to mind as well.
0: Hmm. It reminds me that I wanted to talk about your meditation practice, because one of the ways to build that skill and, and use yes. said meditation has been really big. One of the ways to build the skill of distancing the going from an identity place of I am not enough to maybe I'm having the thought that I'm enough and, and maybe even the, the more advanced, I, I don't think I've heard it <clears throat> quite phrased that way, but I love it. I'm feeling the energy of not enough in my space, right? That's yes. like really, that is not me. It, it is a, the, the way of saying that is like, that's just an energy that I am going to be distanced from. Yeah. So Anyway, what's your meditation practice look like? And, and how do you build that skill in your life to go from identity, of core belief to like, it's just an energy that's in my space, but I am powerful enough, etc.
1: Yeah. Oh, this is such a good question. And the one thing that I wanted to tie to is that the imposter syndrome, I was trying to think of that word mm-hmm. just a second ago is what we hear all over right. In coaching and just in life. And that's the imposter syndrome is the old belief of I am not enough. I feel like an imposter in my role, or I don't know this, blah, blah, blah. So, you know moving into a meditation practice i am i'm not perfect at this i'm just going to say this and there's probably other people that might even be listening to this that have this down a lot more succinctly and better than i do and i will give another shout out to lolita who is phenomenal at this of course she's dedicated her life as a monk to this spiritual practice and meditating and so she's really good at it too but You know, I feel like that I, so I used to sit down and meditate and have this expectation that I would just immediately drop into the space that people talk about. I mean, I really did. And then every time I would meditate, it wouldn't happen. And I would feel really shameful. Like I'm I'm not good at this. I'm not sure if I'm good enough to sit and meditate because we're so used to having the mind go from day to day that then to just automatically assume that we're just going to shut that off and then move into this like realm of presence right away is, is a tough thing to hold an expectation for. But I have a sense that a lot of other people do have that as well. So I have, I have, I'm going to say, I have not been great at meditation from that stance. Right. And then I stopped meditating for quite some time. Cause I was like, I can't do this. This is not for me. I'm not good at this. I don't know how to do this. And so I just stopped. And then this past year, I started it up again more devotedly. Like when I sit down, Saima, I'm I'm gonna say what I heard Saima say at one point was: meditation is hanging out with your soul. Hmm. And if you don't believe that you have a soul, meditation is hanging out with self. So in the busy chatter of our brain, can we include that when we sit down instead of me before was like resisting this, right? Like, oh, oh, this is showing up. It shouldn't be showing up. Oh my God, I should be my to-do list. Oh, I got a LinkedIn message on my phone. Let me just respond. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, it's like, okay, include the chatter, maybe you start five minutes a day and you work up to 10 and 15 and maybe that's, that's your limit. Maybe you can do an hour, but sitting with the self and sitting with the self. And I, and I have also experienced when I sit with myself, maybe like, Maybe like 15 minutes in, I'll get another wave of my to-do list. Oh, what are we having for dinner? I got to call this person. And I have this tendency to like grab my phone and write it down. So I'm not Mm going to forget it. (laughs) But I'm in this meditation space where I'm like, I know that's actually not serving right now. So I just, the best that I can, I'm not perfect at this every time. I welcome in that chatter and be like, it's kind of like the, okay, I see this cloud of unworthiness this energy of it. Okay. I'm just gonna let this cloud pass on by. Okay. I'm gonna let this to-do list pass on by. I love, I love that it's showing up because it keeps me safe. I do feel safe with the to-do list and it really keeps me organized. So if there's a way that I, in that moment can just be like, Oh, thank you. Thank you. You're, you're so good at keeping me organized brain. You're so good at keeping me safe. And I just, welcome it in, then it helps me to really drop into another phase and not resist. And this is so much easier said than done Mm -hmm. in the practice, you know. A mastery level that I've also been working with is when an old pattern comes up, which will come up because when we sit with ourselves, the things that we haven't sat with are like, oh, we have time. She's in presence. Like, right, the unworthiness is like, I haven't spoken to you for decades. Oh, my God, thank you so much. And I'm like, ah, (laughs) (laughs) this is why I don't sit with myself because the unworthiness shows up, but sometimes it will. (laughs) And I think just the mastery is that we don't really have to do anything with it in that moment of meditation, but can we just start to include it more and more? Like, yeah, there's unworthiness in my space. I felt this a lot as a child. Not just from my parents, but from peers, whatever. It's okay. In fact, every human on the planet feels unworthy. Every human on the planet feels not good enough to some degree, whether we admit it or not. So, okay, this is coming up. And I just stay with self. And I also stay with the unworthiness that's there. And the, 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 the mastery is to just not become it. I know this is so much easier said than done, but you know, that we're not unworthy. It's actually not the truth of us. There is space for us on this planet. We're here for a reason. We're here for a reason. So anyways, that's some that's some skills that I used in my meditation every day, you yeah. know,
0: yeah. It's really important to, and I, I still get stuck in this pattern sometimes too so yeah you know i'm gonna lay myself on the table here and um, yeah perfect at all i'm very far from it that there's this expectation that meditation is meant to bring peace and zen right in the moment yeah actually what meditation is for is what you beautifully and eloquently just spoke to it makes space for whatever needs attention in you and can you uh, the the mastery move is to allow whatever is there to be yeah. there and welcome it in some way. Right? yeah. So it, it it can be the mental chatter, the to-do list, the LinkedIn message, the I have to call this person back, I haven't spoken to this person in a long right. time, blah, blah, right. blah, right. That's very, I laughed because that's very true for me. Yeah. There's also the emotionality of, wow, I, I might be noticing a lot of anger in me and and can I welcome it? My pattern would be to repress and, and judge and, and totally. not worth being angry about or whatever. Can I welcome? Like, yes, you're welcome here too. That is the the ultimate move is to just be able to. Hey, I'm I'm just witnessing whatever is. Uh, I'm an observer of anything that's going on, and all of it's welcome in me. Yeah, and yes, easier said than done. <laughs> yep, yep, <laughs> totally. Yeah. So there's still a million places that I would love to go with you, Jen. <laughs> I, I know that we we still got some time. I'm I'm wondering. You just strike me as such an amazing person to work with. Like any of your clients must be so privileged to work with you. And one of the things that you teed up was your coaching stance. Mm. And I experience you as an amazing question asker. Mm. A lot of times what illuminates the light that needs to be shined is just the right question. Yeah. And so I'm just wondering if, you could share a little bit about your coaching stance and, and I'm sure we've covered a lot of that ground already, but just other ways that you'd fill gaps of explaining your coaching stance and, and maybe some questions that you would ask. Uh, I'm I'm kind of wondering, you know, if I sat down with Jen right now and said we had to be blocked off an hour and mm-hmm. Jen was going to coach me, I would feel like the fields, the space, the energy is is created for beautiful things to happen. And I'm just wondering like. How would you look at that space? What would what would be some questions you'd ask? What are some stances you would take? Things like that.
1: Yeah, this is. I love how you just so eloquently transition us into the next thing that you know that's tied to what we just talked to you. So thank you for that. I really appreciate it. And where I first initially got my coaching stance from, I want to give credit to NLP Marin and it's Neuro Linguistic Programming in Marin. Carl Bukite is the founder, maybe a co-founder and a teacher. And he has, and at this time he was teaching with Michelle Masters, who is no longer with NLP Marin, but she was a very influential teacher at the time. And they talked a lot. They they brought this concept of stance to me, to, to hundreds of individuals through this training of what is your life stance? And I was like, what does stance mean? I've actually had people say, like, what is stance? And it's like the the simplest form, because I can feel it, it's kind of hard to describe, is how do I show up? What am I presupposing to be true in this coaching session, in this life session that I live? And so I took it from their teaching of like, what is my life stance? How do I operate in this world to then, okay, yeah. Then how am I operating with my clients? Right. And and in, and in, in with friends that call and people that are in my life and, and mentor mentee situations, you know, it's the same stance, but it's not a different stance from who I am. I want to be very clear. It's very much in alignment with who I am. And there's just more, consciousness about how I'm being with the person that's in front of me. So presence is a big thing. And what do I mean by presence too, is like, anyone could tell me anything, anything. They, they killed someone there. I've, I've heard a ton of stuff from clients, real deep traumas that have come true. And it's not about fixing the situation or the person it's just about being present with what is and what is coming up. And then of course, there's the coaching of asking questions and there is some work that to be done. But my initial thing is like, I'm going to be present with this because it probably hasn't experienced presence or it wouldn't be considered trauma. And to some degree, if we had presence in our life, through everything that we've been through, man, we would be so strong at such a younger age, right? So how can I be with, similar to how we are in meditation, similar to how I am when I have feelings come up? How can I be with this person and this experience and all that they're going through in this moment? And that drops me into a place of really deep listening. I'm not listening necessarily on the surface of what they're saying and their words only. I'm actually dropping into the listening of What is their younger self telling me? What is their body? How are they acting? Like what else is communicating with me as they're talking in this session? It's, it's a real deep level of listening and that allows, I mean, I've talked about my superpower of processing, which is a superpower and kryptonite at the same time, because I don't want to process my life away, but it has helped me get to like, I can find the root very quickly when I'm in a session, like, oh You the situation going on with your co-founder or a co-worker or a friend or a partner, what's the root of this? What's actually really going on, right? It's not about loading the dishwasher and getting into an argument with your significant other, right? Of how the dishes are loaded. There's something deeper happening, right? It's not about the dishwasher. It's not about this event. What, what's getting triggered inside. And then that allows for the questions to come Mm -hmm. in my coaching practice. And, I have practitioners hold this dance for me that I can then now hold for others is that it's going to, they're going to be okay. They're going to get through this. This is, this is not going to be forever. And the more that I can hold this versus going to fear, like, Oh my gosh, what support do they need? How do I fix this for them? Do I have a tool? Oh, imposter syndrome is coming up. Like, what do I do? I can just drop into like, I'm going to be with this for right now. And sometimes it's just saying back to them, like, okay, you feel X, Y, and Z. Let's just be with that for a minute. You know what I mean? It's so powerful. It's so powerful. So I think that that is, not that I think, I that is my stance that I hold with all my clients. And there's a simplicity to it, but there's a depth to it, you know? So yeah, that, that's how I show up. Mm-hmm.
0: There is my a simplicity work. and depth to it. And, that, and it reminds me of what happened with, saima the way that whatever the phrase was that she said right like someone from a place of not presence distraction would would that you wouldn't be able to say that yes so the the reason that you're able to be there and be present to whatever it whatever pain is being put in in your field is because you have sat with that pain in your own life right so it, yeah. it seems like magic and I've I've done enough work at least at this point to know that the magic is lots of work led into the moment of someone being able to sit there and not judge you or weaponize whatever you said or or anything that people do or shudder and turn away from. That continues to be a really big edge for me too as a coach. Yeah. That I've there's a I've placed a lot of worthiness not even just as a coach, but as a as a partner, as a family member, as a friend, like I've placed a lot of value on myself as being someone who can fix air quotes, the situation give the right answer again, air quotes. And there's a time and place for that. Right. right? But a lot of times in a coaching session, once you get to the root, it is not the time and place for it. The root just usually needs to be felt and seen.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely get that about you, Jen. I really do. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Thank you. I, I, I really appreciate it, but yeah, you know, and I find that the more inner work that I do with myself, it's like that, that pool, like, like a drop of water into the pool, just kind of reverberates out in a way, like, that's how I feel like the presence gets deeper and deeper, the more work that I can do, the more I can be with, you know, the more I can support in different ways, the less anxiety I have in that moment when it might show up with a client, you know, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't in this space when I first started coaching, you know, so it's definitely been a journey there. Mm -hmm. And I want to read one thing, my, my, the person that does massage with me every month, she there was a calendar that she has that has quotes on it. And I want to read something because she shared with this, this with me last week and I was like, oh my gosh, this is October? Like this is so in tune with what's happening. So it says, once you have understood the basic principle of being present as the watcher of what happens inside you, and you quote, understand, unquote, it by experiencing it, you have at your disposal the most potent transformational tool. This is Eckhart Tolle. Tully. So I'm like, that's that's it, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm. Well, Jen, I I wanted, I want to get to Bella. I really do because your your cat mm. you said your cat's brought you a lot of aha moments. But there's something that's stirring in me, and and that's certainly stirring in the really the global consciousness right now. And that's what's happening in Israel. Yeah.
1: yeah. And
0: I'm I'm just in this conversation. I've been so here with you, so in flow. I'm really ride. I'm hitching a ride on your your beingness. <laughs> like I think you just have uh, such a beautiful energy that I I've really enjoyed hitching a ride on. And I just know so many people right now are hurting a lot and there's so much there's real victims there's there's one thing to have yeah. victim consciousness right to to yeah. be like i'm at the affect of these things that are happening to me like being name called or whatever and then there's the victimhood that's actually being experienced in israel and and through other terrorist organizations and just globally there's just so many atrocities at any given moment being committed and i know the re- where you work at reboot I know that Jerry Colonna has a—he's got a go-to—I forget the poem, but he's got a go-to poem when people come at him with things like this. Yeah, uh, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but
1: i, I have a sense of what you're talking about, and I, I cannot think of the poem in this moment. But he does—he loves reading poems. It's our signature. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, I—I I think that. There's, there's a small part of it. It's not as much a part of me as trying to sit in the audience. Like I, I'm so here with you, but I'm imagining there's people in the audience who are thinking, man, like talking about being in your power when there's all this shit mm-hmm. that's going on in the world. How I, I just don't really feel worthy, right? That is, yeah. I guess it is partly a worthiness thing. But why am I going to step into my power? I'm, I'm so absorbed with the atrocities that are happening yeah. in the world. And so I'm just wondering if, I don't know, that there's obviously not an answer, but if we could just shine some light on being able to sit with, how do we reconcile having these really privileged conversations about stepping into personal power when there is so much hardship, suffering, brutality being inflicted on, on one another?
1: Yeah. I mean, I feel like this is such, this is the question, right? Uh, right now. And there's a lot of brutality going on in the world and hardship and unrest and injustice happening in Israel that's in our face right now. And then also in every part of the world, this is, this is happening in every day for some people that's actually not making the news in a war that's outbreaking. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, a couple things come to mind. And again, this is somewhat through the spiritual lens. And I'll say spiritual lens because some people might resonate this with right now. But when I watch it on the news, it's hard. I think we talked about this in the, in the beginning too, when we were checking in. It's, it, it's hard to watch because it's so awful. And I can't even imagine me ever doing this to people myself, ever being the abuser. And I also can't even imagine being at the other end of what is happening to this. And we live in a very privileged world here in the United States right? So what comes to mind is where where my attention is, that's where I focus. That's where the world is focusing. So if I focus on the brutality, like not, I'm not saying don't see it and acknowledge it. See it, acknowledge it, speak on it, have an opinion, you know, defend, support, But if my attention goes to, oh my gosh, the world is falling apart, oh my God, there's wars everywhere, then I'm creating more and more of that energy in the world. If I go to to the place of bring peace to all of these people, right? If I can share an ounce of the power that I've been able to step into this year with the country of Israel or the people that are experiencing the unrest, or even the people that are have created this war, who initiated it. Can I send out that energy versus feed the fear and the unrest and everything that's out there? I can still see it. I can still experience it. I can feel the rage inside. I can feel the fear, but what I'm putting out to the world is something very different. That is going to, I feel like, help the consciousness shift out of this place. You know, and the other thing that I was talking about in our check-in, which now feels like years ago because it's such a <laughs> presence on this call, but that we that I was sharing that I heard Saima say, and and one of her monks who lives in Israel right now, who's also living it and experiencing, he's such a pure human being of the 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 external war that's physically happening is actually a reflection of our own internal war that's happening inside of all of us. So the more work we do, the more loyalty return to ourselves, you know, the patterns that we work with, the uh, loving ourselves more is actually going to help. Although it doesn't feel like to an engineering brain that there's a one for one connection is actually going to help what's happening externally as well. So there are actually things that we can do to help ground What's happening if we can't be there, you know, to to fix it or to change it? Maybe physically, that helps.
0: Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I remembering, uh, I'm sure you know Jack Cornfield, right? He's a he's a yes. famous spiritual teacher and meditation teacher, and he too, it, it, I think a lot of he's dealt with all of the most brutal. Day, right he, he He's counseled people who have gone through war, who have seen the the very mm-hmm. darkest pits of what humanity is capable of. And it does always seem to point back to having that compassion and and love and wishing peace for all not not in a, a bypassing way, but really right. like in, in the way that we've talked about integrating masculine and feminine, like taking a stand, right? Speak out. I'm not okay with this. Really. Get a forceful way of I I will speak outwardly for what I believe in, and there's also the the kind of gentle wish for peace for all. And there's a way that we can forcefully do that too. That yeah. I think a lot of the best teachers in the world have the blend for both of those things. Yeah, and that's what beautifully I'm said. Response. Yeah, yeah. Well, Jen, I did want to make some space for Bella. <laughs> the end of this conversation. And I'll do a little tie in here. Every episode, I raise awareness for an organization of my guest choice. And you've selected Sonoma County Human Society, right? Is that what the organization is?
1: Yeah, Humane Society. Yes. Humane Society. Okay. Yeah, maybe I typed it. Maybe I forgot an e or something. <laughs> yes,
0: It's possible. Maybe I just made a mistake. So it's the Sonoma County Humane Society. Yes, I will donate to hopefully listeners if you're still tuned in with us then bless you. This has been a a fun two hours for me, and I'm sure you got a lot out of it. And I invite you to donate as well. And and in the intro, Jen, I'll make sure to include this for folks to donate. But this is where you rescued your cat, Bella, from. Yes. You said Bella has provided a lot of aha moments in your life and would love to hear about the organization and about Bella and the impact that Bella's had on your life
1: yeah and i'll i'll say this distinctly because i could talk for hours on how bella has impacted my life you know i got her when she was one years old and she's now 10 so for nine years she has been in my life and this is no this is truly no ordinary cat this is not a pet she is incredibly in tune she senses she has strong intuition She has a knowing that I feel sometimes is greater than my own. Like she is, she's an incredible human or incredible cat. And she emanates love. Mm -hmm. This is not a cat that really ever gets angry. You know, some cats have like kind of this bipolar personality where you touch them the wrong way and they're like hitting you. She is such love. In my life. And I've actually had friends that have come over when I years ago and said, Wow, this it's like so overwhelming how much love this cat emulates. I'm not sure if I can handle it. Like that's actually been things that people have said. Yeah. So I she has brought more love into my life and more more love for myself as I love her more. There's more love there. She's softened me in that way and really helped me connect to my own love for self because she, you know, like any animal, she just shows up unconditionally every day. Is so excited to see me come home and et cetera. So, so there's been a lot of things. She's, the, what I'll say quickly is that she's been very sick for the past couple of years. And I, at one point was doing everything. I was calling energy healers for pets. I, I had I would spend thousands of dollars on the right food. We were trying medication. She has a very sensitive system, so that doesn't work. I mean, anything, I was going like way above and beyond. I mean, I think just if this cat was in any other family, she they probably would not have had the means to support her in this way. And she was still starting to transition and in fact, a a reading that I had for Bella, psychic like a said, she's like 10% here and 90% on the other side. So, and she said to me, she said, just be with her. Stop trying to solve what was happening. And I was like, oh my God. So I did, I stopped. And there was something about, something shifted in me after this call about, taking on all the responsibility for someone's life i'm going to say someone because i'm talking about bella as a cat but this actually goes way beyond her as as a pet in my house or as a as a being in my house and thinking like i have to do all these things i'm responsible for this and realizing that this cat has her own consciousness and that she actually in that moment years ago She was ready to transition and I was still holding on and syringe feeding her and all of this stuff to keep her body alive. Now there is a responsibility as a human and a pet because she can't fully communicate what she needs. So at some point we still have to do this. But when I chose to actually let go, I mean, this is so epic and honor her choice And tune in to what what does she actually need right now? Because I was so in my head and I had lists and there were my spreadsheets, right? And there's my hypervigilance. And it was was like beyond stressful for the house. And I was just present with her for days and weeks. She actually started coming back to life. Mm. And this is actually, there's been multiple of these and each one, there's been a big aha for me, but it was a shift in... Allowing the other to have their experience. And now she doesn't take medication. So when the vet says she needs to be on something, and this is just specific to Bella. I'm not actually recommending that all pet owners don't give their pets medication. This is very specific to my certain situation. I'll find an alternative route or I just have to honor that if Bella's in a situation, she's in a situation, she's making the choice. It's a a cat that is very choiceful. It's a very strong, what's the word that I want to, like, it's, it's not willpower, but she has very strong sense of self in her and she makes her own choices. I swear to God. So I have to honor that. And so that has really allowed me to not be codependent or responsible for the other, but actually to honor the journey that she's on. And she's not 100% healthy, but she's living a really good life and she's choosing it. She's choosing this. So anyways, so much to say about Bella, but she is a joy. And if there's one ordinary thing in my day that brings me joy every day, it is absolutely this cat. It's absolutely Bella.
0: <laughs> yeah. Good tie-in. That's one of the, you, I guess you knew that was one of the questions that I'd be asking you at the end there. Oh. Yeah.
1: I mean, you had said that you might, but I had no idea if it was going to follow the end or not. I was like, this, this is the, this is the thing for me. Yeah. yeah.
0: I actually, I'm glad you said it because I was going in the interest of time here because we've only got a few minutes left. I was going to just yeah. jump right to the end. And you answered the what's an ordinary everyday moment that brings you great joy. So there we go. But yeah, Jen, this has been such a blast. I'll, I'll make sure to link to... Where where would you like folks to be able to connect with you? There's your LinkedIn page and and your page on Reboot, right? Are those the two best places?
1: Yeah, I think those are the two best places. Yeah, to find me. Yeah, you can also feel free to send my email out too if you would like. Yeah, and we can connect on that as well. But yeah, but feel free if anyone feels called to have a conversation or a coaching session or just to, just to catch up. I'm absolutely open to any and all of that.
0: I encourage you, listener, to take advantage of that. So,
1: mm.
0: Jen, the last question that I ask, I know that you know it's coming in uh, in every interview. The podcast is called Mike's Search for Meaning, and I would mm. love to know in your own words what it means to live a meaningful life.
1: Gosh. The thing that comes to mind in this moment is to live consciously, to really live as conscious as possible, and and to love yeah, to keep coming back to yourself as, as a, as a powerful being on this planet and to be in service, to create, just to to continue to create. So all those ways, but just to be conscious and, and, and love that's where we're headed as in in this planet. So thank you. Thank you so uh, much.
0: Thank you as well. It was, it was my absolute pleasure. You were an incredible guest. You're you're just as worthy as all those other people that you compare yourself <laughs> to, again. Thank you. And yeah, there, there's so many takeaways from this episode, but one thing I'm in touch with in mm. this moment right now is the way, this is another thing from our check-in. So we've, we've sort of peppered in a lot of things that were pre-recording into the recording, which is really neat. A lot has been brought out of me in my eight weeks of fatherhood so far. And one of the things that I'm taking away from this conversation is cultivating the capacity to make space for everything as it is in my life and not making it good or bad. Yeah. And I've been really scared of the anger that's been coming up in me. Like anger is an emotion that I have not done well, that I've safeguarded against in a lot of ways in my life. And making space. for I know intellectually that making space for the anger is good and that all emotions are communicating things that we need to hear. But it's been really hard for me to actually welcome that anger and welcome parts of myself that I'm scared that I'm capable of. Yeah. And so one thing that I'm leaving with a gift of this conversation is that I feel more resourced to make space for all of me. And that really does seem like I would push against I don't know you that well, but your your superpower of being able to process things is is what you said. I, I'm seeing a superpower of really welcoming all of whoever you're talking to. Yeah, and I'm sure that you do that with yourself really well too. Just welcoming it all, welcoming it all. I yeah. feel totally a hundred thousand percent welcome with you, mm-hmm. safe with you. And this was really a joy of a conversation. So thank you so much for being here
1: with me. My gosh, what an ending to all that we just talked about. Thank you for sharing. I really appreciate it. And I'm glad that there's a takeaway for you, you know, coming out of this really rich conversation. Thanks also for bringing presence and space. I feel super comfortable today sharing all of this. So you're great, Mike. Thank you so much.
0: (laughs) You're most welcome and to everyone Mm. who's tuned in and listening, thank you so much for being here with us. If you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe and have a great rest of your day or evening. Take good care and sending you lots of love. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to listen to Mike's search for meaning. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, share this episode with your friends and leave a review. I look forward to seeing you next time, my friends. And until then, stay safe, stay well, and keep living with purpose. Peace.